This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Randomized controlled trial of impregnated central venous catheters for reducing bloodstream infection in children. Catch. Trial by Dr. Kun Muck. Hi, my name is Kun Muck. I'm a consultant intensivist at Great Ormond Street Hospital in London. I would like to share with you the results of our CATCH trial. As you know, our, the, the bloodstream infection rate is highest in the PICU and 70% of these are due to catheter-related infections. And the CATCH trial is looking at a randomized controlled trial of impregnated central venous catheters for reducing bloodstream infection in children. This trial was sponsored by, funded by the National Institute of Health Research and the ethics approval was from the Southwest England Research Ethics Committee. We have no other conflicts of interest to declare. The CATCH trial was a randomized controlled trial of children who would be admitted to the intensive care unit who were aged under 16. The patients had to require a central venous catheter for at least three days. We compared heparin or antibiotic catheters with standard catheters and we looked at hospital-acquired bloodstream infection as the primary outcome. All these catheters are already in use in the UK, though um, the most widely used catheter is the standard catheter. The UK Saving Lives Initiative, trying to look at the reduction in healthcare-associated infection, recommended that standard central venous catheters should be used for all patients, and you should only consider antibiotic-impregnated catheters if the catheter was meant to be in for uh, a longer duration or that the patient had a higher risk of catheter-related bloodstream infection. However, there were no specific um, child-specific guidelines. And when we did a survey of the PICUs in UK before we started the trial, we noticed that most of them were using standard catheters, although there were some units that were using heparin or antibiotic catheters. We compared two groups of patients that were going to be admitted to the PICU. The patients who were going to be admitted after elective surgery would be consented before they were randomized to the central venous catheter. For the emergency group of patients, because they needed the catheter as part of their, res their resuscitation, um, the line was inserted first and ideally the parents were then consented within 48 hours of insertion of the line. The primary outcome was bloodstream infection from 48 hours after insertion of the catheter to 48 hours after removal of the catheter. 
1,200 patients were required to achieve a, an 80% power to detect a relative risk reduction of 0.5 at a 5% level of significance with the baseline infection rates of at the time of the uh, design of the trial, it was at 10%. We started recruitment in December 2010, and we recruited over two years till November 2012. Although 1,200 patients were required for 80% power of the study, we were recommended by the trial steering committee to continue with recruitment um, because the infection rate had reduced by the time um, the trial started. And you can see from the slide that we managed to recruit 1,859 patients by the time of trial closure, of which 1,485 consented to um, the uh, continuing with the trial. The proportion of patients is very similar to our usual case mix, with one-third of patients being elective patients, where prospective consent was obtained, and two-thirds of the patients were emergency patients who were admitted um, and deferred consent was obtained from these, uh, this group of patients. You can see from the table that almost equal numbers of patients were recruited to all three arms of the trial. Um, there were certain patients who, after randomization, either did not require a line any longer and no line was inserted, or they received in error a different line that they were randomized to, but the study was analyzed to intention to treat. You can see that there were almost equal numbers of patients that did not consent to um, continuing with the trial. Looking at our baseline characteristics, there was no difference between the groups in age, reason for admission, the PIM score, or the place or site of CVC insertion. 57% of our patients were under a year of age. As you can see from this table, over 3% of our patients in the heparin and standard groups got a primary bloodstream infection compared to 1% of the patients in the antibiotic group. The infections included gram-positive or gram-negative organisms as well as candida. And looking at the hazard ratio of the uh, results, there was no difference, no significant difference between the impregnated catheters versus the standard catheters. But if you did a pairwise analysis, the antibiotic uh, lines led to a 57% reduction in infection rate compared to the standard lines and a 58% reduction in infection rate compared to the heparin-bonded lines. We had a 75% reduction in risk of catheter-related bloodstream infections compared to standard catheters if we used antibiotic uh, central venous catheters. The absolute risk reduction was 2.15% of antibiotic compared to standard catheters, which meant that we had a number needed to treat a 47 to prevent one bloodstream infection. There was no difference in adverse events in the secondary outcome analysis. 
and there was no difference in thrombosis or death rates. By the time we started the trial, there was already a reduction in the bloodstream infection rate. There was no trial effect as there was a 15% reduction rate in the participating catched PICUs as well as in the non-participating PICUs. And by the time the catch recruitment period started, the rate of infection was already down by five to about 5% compared to 10%. The cost impact study from the trial showed that antibiotic central venous catheters dominated the standard catheters with a saving of almost £100,000 for each but bloodstream infection that was averted. The cost saving occurred up to 120 days after randomization, but not beyond six months after randomization. So we can see that despite the decline in BSI rate across the PICUs, the cost of purchasing the antibiotic CVCs was um, for all children who required them was still less than the cost of managing a bloodstream infection, even if the infection rates were as low as 1.2 per thousand bed days. You can see from this graph that with a big unit like ours, where there were um, 1,200 patients a year, and with the BSI rate of 4.6%, we would have a saving of about £4,000. And if the infection rate continued to go down, we would break even um, at the BSI rate of 1.2 per thousand bed days if we changed over to completely all uh, using all antibiotic uh, central venous catheters. Even if you were a small unit with smaller numbers of admissions, there would be a cost saving um, down to an infection rate as low as 1.2 per thousand. Our microbiologists were concerned that we would be generating antibiotic resistance if we had widespread implementation of antibiotic central venous catheters across our, in our PICUs. The antibiotic catheters were impregnated with minocycline and rifampicin. We asked for the centers to test all bloodstream infections with the e-test strips. However, this varied between centers and not all positive blood cultures were tested. However, when it was tested, resistance was found in all three groups, not just in the antibiotic CVC group. Also, we found that the other studies and surveillance in adults who have been using these antibiotic CVCs for a lot longer have shown that their risks are very small. So we are not concerned about antibiotic resistance, but we recommend surveillance once this has been introduced. So in conclusion, antibiotic CVCs were associated with a lower rate of bloodstream infection when compared to standard and heparin bonded lines. They are cost effective from savings associated with the bloodstream infection averted even for a low BSI rate. We are also very proud of the catch achievements from the study. We were the first study to use deferred consent in children. We were also the first study to demonstrate that uh, co-enrollment into more than one study did not affect study recruitment. 
We were also the first study to use data linkage of routinely collected patient data to show generalizability of the study to the PICU population. You can see from this slide that of the almost 1,300 patients that were randomized in the emergency group and in the ones that we had an opportunity to approach, 984 or 76% of the patients consented to uh, being enrolled in the study and for the use of the data. 24% did not consent, and you can see that there's a bigger proportion of patients who died in the PICU in the non-consent group. The failure to obtain consent was mainly due to lack of opportunity to consent the parents, either because they were discharged early or transferred to another PICU. The difficulties in seeking consent for children who died was the main reason expressed by the research nurses of why they did not feel they could approach the parents of children who had died in the PICU. There were a higher proportion of deaths, therefore, in the non-consented patients, and obviously we risk missing an important group of patients. However, we could see from the deferred consent study that the consent rate was not affected by deferred consent. 69% of patients in the elective group consented, compared to 84% of patients in the emergency group. Also, looking at co-enrolling more patients into more than one study. In our unit, we were already participating in the control hypoglycemia in pediatric trial, which was nearing the end of recruitment. We were co-enrolling these patients into both studies, but we approached the patients in the CHIP study first so that we did not jeopardize their recruitment. You can see from the patients who consented to CHIP the majority of them also consented to uh, the CASH trial. But of the patients who did not consent to CHIP trial, many of them also consented to the um, CASH trial. So you can see that the consent rate for CHIP was not affected at all by co-enrollment, and even the consent rate for, uh, rates for CASH uh, the, co the patients who were co-enrolled into more than one study um, had a consent rate that was very similar to the overall population. So for most parents, it was acceptable to consent to more than one trial as long as the trial was safe and the um, in intervention was already routinely used in the PICU. It was important that the... Um, Research nurses coordinated their consent with the patients and there was an appropriate time when you should approach the, the parents to obtain op optimum, optimum consent rate. In conclusion, we would like to acknowledge all the um, research teams the, and the clinical trials unit in the CATCH study. We particularly want to thank the principal investigators and the research nurses in the 14 PICUs, and especially want to thank all the 
parents of the children who participated in the trial. I hope you found the results of the CATCH trial interesting and you have learned something from this and maybe might introduce using antibiotic lines in your PICU and hopefully this will lead to an, a reduction in the infection rate. Thank you for watching the video. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.